Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. ESPN LA 710. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. You can embrace life while embracing the beautiful game as well, and we appreciate Pocock Brewing for doing just that here on Soccer Weekly. We have so much to get to. What is on tap? Well, how about a little talk of the World Cup as we get going into match day two in the group stages, which began earlier today in the final game of the day in Group A. We also had Group H, which was an absolute mess, pandemonium in Group H on this match day. We've got plenty to get to there. We're going to be talking with LAFC manager Bob Bradley. That's coming up very shortly on the show here. Bob and his uh, his uh, charges have a match against Sacramento Republic FC coming up in a uh, California Derby. That's in the U.S. Open Cup round of 16 coming up tomorrow night at Bank of California Stadium. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. And I'll be calling that game. We'll be talking with Bob about that and so much more. Of course, Bob has talked about how he's been a big fan and roots for Egypt. Of course, he coached the Pharaohs uh, a few years ago, so he knows and is well familiar with the players on that team. And we'll have a word about that because Egypt really has, uh, well, they've uh, hit hit a rough patch, <laughs> let's just say. It looks like they're pretty much on their way out of the World Cup. As we talked about yesterday with Mike Trudell, we'll have soccer tonight coming up. In just an hour at 8 o'clock as well here on ESPN LA 710. You can also listen on the ESPN app, by the way. If you're on the 405 now and you're wondering how you're going to be able to hear all of this great soccer content when you get out of your car sometimes, yeah, download the ESPN app. And you can find ESPN LA there, and we'll be there hanging out with you. And i got so much more to get to. we got the black and gold breakdown coming up. Also, a look at uh, what MLS is now kicking back off, essentially, as they get going back after this little mini alleged break for the World Cup. That's still coming up on the weekend as uh, LAFC is back in action on the weekend as well in MLS action. But the U.S. Open Cup gets going. So many issues to talk about when it comes to not just the World Cup, but soccer. First of all, I am a genius and an idiot at the same time. All right? I'm an absolute genius half of the time, and an absolute moron the other half. That's what it's starting to come out in the wash for me. As I look at all the uh, predictions you make, we talk about what's going on in, in world soccer, not just in the World Cup, but you know all the issues that are going on. But I have to start with an issue where I just cannot, I, I, I cannot abide by it, and it is this video replay. So many people I talk about, and talk to rather, say, you know what, it's working. It's working to perfection or near perfection in the World Cup. It's not bad. They're doing as good a job as they can with it. That has never been my point about video replay. Never. My point about video replay is it is the death of passion in sports. And here's the thing I don't understand. Why is it in sports, whether it's NFL's instant replay or whether it's MLB, NBA, whatever, NHL has it. They all have it, MLS. The World Cup. Why is it in sports that the only people we demand perfection from are referees and officials? We don't demand perfection, certainly from players. LeBron James is the greatest player I've ever seen. And the dude shoots about 55%, right? And turns the ball over and misses shots and loses championships. We don't demand perfection from players. 
We certainly don't demand it from coaches because half the time I don't know what Tyron Lue is doing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there's plenty of baseball managers I have no idea what they're doing or football head coaches. They're not very good at their jobs. We don't demand perfection from them. Now, some of them might end up paying with their job eventually. But during a game, we don't demand perfection from players nor coaches. In the offseason, we don't demand perfection from GMs. We hope for it. But, man, they make a lot of mistakes. I don't have to look any farther than Mike Cleveland Browns and a guy who I thought had a real good potential as a new general manager in John Dorsey, and then he goes out and drafts Baker Mayfield. Terrible. So we don't demand perfection from anybody in sports. We don't demand perfection from fans. We don't demand perfection from front office people, from players, from other personnel. We don't demand perfection from the groundskeeping crews. Although most of the time it does look very good, the work they do. But we demand perfection somehow from referees. And we'll stop a game right in the middle of any sport, take out the passion, rip out the heart of the sport, and step on it while three guys gather around a video monitor to try to, quote-unquote, get it right. Well, why can't we stop and do a video replay of the hideous decisions Tyron Lue makes as head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers sometime? And why can't we kick him out of the, off the bench in the middle of the game because he's so poorly doing his job? Well, of course, we don't demand perfection from them. And yet somehow, here we are, just absolutely ripping the heart out of sports. Admit it, you like sports a little less. You don't even know that that's the reason. Some of you who love video replay, right, you love it. You think you love it. You don't even know that you don't love it yet. And you don't even know the damage it's doing yet. But why do I have to be the one who tells you this well in advance of anybody else? And I'm tired of it. But I'm also wrong about a lot of stuff, too. Let's be honest. Right? I thought Mo Salah wouldn't score a goal in this tournament like an idiot, I forgot about penalty kicks. And boom, there it goes. While trailing 3-0, kind of a worthless goal in that sense. I mean, not worthless, but it doesn't look like it's going to help keep Egypt in the World Cup. Mo Salah gets a penalty, well, I mean, scores a penalty against Russia. And there go my big talking points. Yeah, nice job, Denholm. Although, in the run of play, I wasn't that far off, was I? You knew they were going to just absolutely swarm Mo Salah and force other Egyptian players to beat them. And it just wasn't going to happen. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. This is Soccer Weekly. I want to hear from you. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and continue the conversation there, please do, at Talk Soccer. Don't forget Soccer Tonight with Mike Trudell and me, coming up in, a, in less than an hour now at 8 o'clock Pacific time here on ESPN LA. You can follow us on the ESPN app. you got buddies across the country. You got men and women that you know love soccer in Hot Springs, Arkansas, or in Duluth, Minnesota. Let them know about the app. They can if they if they have the ESPN app. If they don't download it, they can listen to ESPN LA. Boom! Problem solved for your soccer loving fan around the country who does not have access to what we bring you here at ESPN LA seven ten, which is the best soccer talk in the country. Week in, week out, and during the World Cup, night in, night out, Monday through Fridays with Mike Trudell and I. Bottom line. So if you want to continue the conversation, it's at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. ESPNFC, they're a Twitter account 
sent out a great picture with the best of match day one, they called it, from ESPN FC. They picked their players who they thought were leading on match day one, were the best players from match day one. And they kind of had it into four four two, and they try to squeeze in a little bit. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I mean by that. They had they had Halderson of Iceland in goal. Yeah, why not? Kolarov, Godin, Milenkovic, and Trippier in defense. Yeah, don't hate it. Chucky Lozano, Hector Herrera, Golovin, who's been great for Russia, and he continued that. And Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, out on the wing, and then up front, Harry Kane and Diego Costa. Okay, so they kind of they kind of shoehorned in Christian Cristiano Ronaldo as a winger. I mean, he kind of is, but not really a midfield type. So, I mean, I can understand that. I get it. You wanted to fit in the best eleven players, and they had Juan Carlos Osorio as the manager of Match Day One. Hard to argue with three Mexicans represented: two players, Chucky and Herrera, and then uh, JCO. So a good start there, and why not if you're beating the defending champions? But I like the starting 11. Do you have another nominee? Do you have someone maybe that you thought who maybe hasn't gotten a lot of praise from the first match day? And you can let me know at 877-710-ESPN or if you want to tweet your thoughts at TalkSoccer. I want to know from you who has been the biggest pleasant surprise, right? And, you know, look. There's been what people think are upsets, and I'm kind of tired of hearing that, if I'm being honest. It's not an upset that Senegal beats Poland. I don't care what any expert tells you. Does anybody know where the people, the guys who play for Senegal play? Just go look. They're in good leagues. They're on good teams. They're all professionals being paid a lot of money. So don't panic when they beat Poland. It's not that big of an upset. It's not even really an upset. You know, I mean, even like we talked about with Mike, Mike Trudell and I talked about it, Mexico beating Germany. Yeah, it's an upset ish. But I mean, come on. These are, it's not an upset. These are good teams. Japan beating Colombia, a mild upset. Colombia's okay. But again, don't get caught up in the, oh man, this big team that everybody, if we're relying on history, where's Italy? Where's the Netherlands? Where's the U.S.? The U.S. gets out of their group more often than not. Yeah, we all know where they're at. That's why you don't rely on history. Let these teams speak for themselves. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, or hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Coming up, Bob Bradley, the manager of LAFC, going to be joining us next here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on the home of world football in Southern California. I'm so excited. I was laughing about it. ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, Dave Dunham and you hanging out on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Ask and you shall receive. Got Roosevelt checking in from Southwest Florida who says he's listening as a diehard soccer fan. Indeed you are, Roosevelt. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Got Grand Rapidian Eric listening out there in the rest of the world as well. Don't forget, tell your buddies. Tell those who you love that love soccer. Tell those that you hate if they hate soccer, that's fine. I can uh, I can annoy them then. No problem with that. 877-710-ESPN. And uh, hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Joining us now, as promised, he is the manager of L.A. Football Club. And uh, we wanted to talk to him about what's going on in the world, but also about his club, most importantly. Bob Bradley. Bob, thanks for taking the time. 
No problem, Dave. How are you? Good, Bob. Seems like I haven't talked to you in a couple of months, which is probably uh, you're not hating that, I'm sure. But you did have this nice break. But I must address going back to the game before the break, Bob, and a massive comeback against those pesky uh, San Jose earthquakes up there with two goals in stoppage time. How did that feel going into the break and giving those players those days off that you did after a performance like that? Well, certainly it's better to go into a break uh, with three points. But we we also realized that uh, from a football standpoint, it wasn't our best day. And uh, as we started to work again after a few days off, we we just tried to get back and, and solidify some of the things we've been doing all year. Um, but uh, you never want to take away the credit and the good the good feeling of coming back and and scoring uh, uh, a late winner. So we were excited about that, but certainly the 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 work to continue to get better uh, hasn't stopped at all. Bob, this isn't the first time you pulled that off, which is an interesting kind of thing to look at as a team. You're you're you're, you're making a, a habit of not only uh, getting tying goals, but more importantly, winning games late. Is that something that can be kind of taught, or can you can you emphasize certain things where players kind of get that feeling? Like now they know they can win late games. I think that you you, you certainly try to create a mentality uh, as you build your team, and yeah. that includes uh, the way you compete. There's a, a sense that when a game's on the line, how do you push things a little bit? Uh, you know, I use an expression sometimes about playing on the edge. And, and, and if you're down in the game, uh, the ability to, to really push things, knowing that you're taking risk, but that everybody's comfortable with that. And, and over the years, uh, you try to, I, I, I know that different teams that I've coached, we, we've found ways to play on the edge in important matches. And, uh, and, and that's a little bit what happened late against San Jose. We're talking with the manager of LAFC, Bob Bradley. Now we look ahead. He's got another big one coming up tomorrow night at Bank of California Stadium in the U.S. Open Cup round of 16, a berth to the quarterfinals on the line against Sacramento Republic FC. Bob, we start first with the opponent. Can you tell people maybe who don't have a, a great understanding of what Sacramento Republic has done and who they are on the pitch? Well, Sacramento is is a very solid team. Uh uh, listeners certainly know Todd Donovan uh, from his time with the Galaxy. He's the general manager. Um, some of your older listeners will remember Simon Elliott, who also in the early days of the Galaxy uh, was an important player. And he's the coach. And they've put together a good roster with some experience. Uh, and and uh, Sacramento uh, has always been in the discussion about uh, being an MLS team. Yes. Uh, they've had the support of the city, of, of I think the former mayor, Kevin Johnson, and it hasn't happened yet, but they're very serious about what they do. And uh, They knocked off Seattle in the Open Cup this year, and, and so we know that they uh, come in with, with the mentality of, of what it takes to advance in the Open Cup. And we, as a, as a club, uh, take this competition very seriously. And we're lucky because uh, amongst the coaches and amongst the players, many of us have been fortunate to have uh, Open Cup success over the years. And uh, I think that relates really well with your supporters because they want to see a team go for trophies. And in our first season, uh, 
uh, if we can continue to move along in this tournament and, and see what happens at the end, that's something that um, reaches out to our fan base in the right way. As we're, as we know, uh, Sacramento will come in uh, with a good game plan. Uh, in, in the last round, we beat Fresno. They were very organized. It took a while to break them down. Uh, I think Sacramento is capable of uh, a little more attacking play, but we'll, we'll see what, what their idea is. And, and then, as always, how sharp can we be? Can we control the game? How do we create the chances? Uh, set pieces become important. So um, the, the things that uh, we focus on every week don't change in an Open Cup situation. Taking nothing away, obviously, from the focus of MLS, the regular season, going to the playoffs and winning the MLS Cup, how is it, how important though is it that the U.S. Open Cup champion gets that spot into Concacaf Champions League, and what does that mean potentially to LAFC? Uh, LAFC wants to be uh, a team that that does well in all competitions, and as you just mentioned, in order to get in the Champions League, you've got to you've got to win the most Cup, you've got to win the Open Cup, you've got to do something to get that opportunity, and so uh, we know that. And, and, and as I mentioned, I, I, I think that um, the best clubs in the world are serious when they go into any competition. Players know that uh, the chance to win a trophy, to, to hold up a cup at the end of any competition is pretty special. And so we, we want to be that kind of team. And, you know, we're early in terms of how we build things and what we're all about. Um, but I think the the habits and the ideas get put in right from the start. Certainly no surprise to you, Bob. You're kind of uh, probably wanting to tell people like me, yeah, no kidding, I knew this all along, but Adama Diamande, I mean, you've been certainly high on him for a long time and you've known him for a while. Talk a little bit about the start he's had, though. He has really just incorporated himself, it seems, very well into the what you're trying to do with his offense for LAFC. I'm very, very pleased with the production part. Uh, yeah. Gio, uh, in, in, in all games, has found ways to move uh, and get forward, create, uh, put himself in position to score goals. He's that kind of striker. And, and so uh, I know that there's a lot more there and that he's not as sharp as he can be. But I'm so excited that right from the beginning, he's shown an ability to give a real presence up front, uh, to, to make the kind of runs that, that midfielders love in terms of opening up some windows so that now you can receive balls and get the goal. Uh, he works hard to, to get into the box at the right moment. So all the qualities of a goal scorer are there. And, and Dio knows uh, from the, the past experiences that we've had that I'm going to continue to challenge and push him because uh, he's a really talented player. He's a really good guy, and, and I think he can be important for us. We're talking with Bob Bradley, manager of LAFC here on Soccer Weekly with Dave DeHome. Bob, you obviously said that you're going to be, you were rooting for Egypt, no doubt. Of course, the former manager of the Egyptian national team. Egypt's performances, actually, I don't think they played bad at all, believe it or not. I, I really don't in these first two games, but sometimes this is just what happens in international football. It doesn't quite go your way. But more importantly, in the big picture, what does this do for Egypt in terms of, yes, they're happy to qualify. Certainly they want to put out their best effort, hopefully win that third game no matter what happens, regardless of whether they can advance or not. But what does this do for the future of Egyptian football? Oh, that's a, a good question. Uh, obviously, 
Uh, I'd love to see them finish with a win. Um, uh, When you get into group play, it's all about advancing. And at this point, their chances don't look good unless, unless the result uh, between Uruguay and Saudi Arabia is crazy and opens up a door. But uh, I want to make sure that they go out uh, in a proud, good way. Uh, Egypt hadn't been to a world cup since 1990 and, Qualifying was very special. Uh, Mohamed Salah made a penalty um, in, in the second to last qualifier, and a hundred million Egyptians celebrated. Mm. But when you get to the World Cup, uh, now there's pressure again, and and of course to play well, nobody's satisfied to just be there. And so I know that uh, it was a tough. Uh, moment late in the Uruguay game, they give up the goal on the set piece, yeah. and of course that set up, uh, in a way, do or die match today. Uh, it felt really bad for uh, Ahmed Tati. Uh, he's a great guy, uh, a real competitor, and uh, the own goal uh, early in the second half was for me an uh, unlucky moment. And and at that time, you just sensed that uh, the emotion. Uh, of the group, uh, the confidence of the group, everything got in the way, and, and Russia was able to take advantage. Uh, you know, Salah scores the penalty. Uh, soccer sometimes we say that's the goal for the flag. Yeah. But but for me now, it's 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 with the hope that that can give everybody uh, a little bit of a boost going into the third game, and that they can still finish on a good note. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we finished this on a good note for sure. He's LAFC's manager, Bob Bradley. Got a game tomorrow against Sacramento Republic in the round of 16 in the U.S. Open Cup, which you'll hear right here on ESPN LA 710. Bob, thanks so much for taking the time. We will talk to you soon. Good luck tomorrow. Sounds good, Dave. Look forward to seeing you. The great Bob Bradley, LAFC manager. And I hope he's already off the phone, Mario, because I don't like to say this kind of stuff when people are listening necessarily because it sounds like he's doing a great job. Let's face it. I mean, this is not the rocket science for me to say that, and he doesn't need me saying that. But I love what Bob Bradley and John Thorrington are doing at LAFC on the pitch. I mean, they're building a great team, bottom line. And look, you can see his fingerprints all over it, frankly. Not only the front office, who have done a fantastic job supplying the players and building the team, he's also building the team as a team on the field, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him. And, of course, that just fabulous insight into Egypt. I mean, what a story. Regardless of what happens, that's the thing That's the thing I want to point out and that, he, that Bob pointed out. Look, when you get to the World Cup, there's a whole new pressure, right? You're trying to qualify, which is fantastic and difficult and awful and gut-wrenching and beautiful all at the same time if you do qualify, right? It's a long, laborious process that we keep talking about here, that's more than just a night in Trinidad or one night in Chicago or Azteca. It's grueling months and months and years of qualifying, years of qualifying. So when he talks about that, it's a whole new pressure. Yeah, Egypt felt it, certainly with that brutal loss late to Uruguay. And then it's a different pressure when you're facing Russia, who had a brilliant first game, and they're the home side. I mean, it's, it is so difficult to be in the group with the with the hosts it just is and that changes everything and i know a lot of people were thinking egypt was going to get through i did not pick them to get through that group only because russia was the host 
And now maybe Russia indeed may win that group. We'll see what happens. Uruguay still has Saudi Arabia to play tomorrow. And then, of course, those two will meet up, Russia and Uruguay, in the final round. Hey, stick around. So much more still to get to. We're talking black and gold breakdown. We just had the manager of LAFC on. We got so much more there. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. I am Dave Denholm, 877-710-ESPN is the phone number to get involved. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California. Would Where are we at? Yeah, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly each and every week here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you for an hour each week. Don't forget, coming up at 8 o'clock Pacific time and on the ESPN app, also here at ESPN LA 710, it's Soccer Tonight every Monday through Friday. With the great Mike Trudell joining me, we'll be breaking down and working up all the minutiae that is the 2018 FIFA World Cup that just rolls on. Not only do we end the match day ones for every team, but on the same day we begin match two for Group A with the host Russia kicking off match two again as they did match day one with a 3-1 win over Egypt. You had earlier in the day in Group H, Japan and Senegal pulling off 2-1 victories over Colombia and Poland respectively. So that is a topsy-turvy group, to say the least. Now, in that group, I did not have Poland advancing. I did have Senegal coming out of it with Colombia, however, so it's going to be an interesting ride there in Group H. That one's a long way from over, and uh, certainly we look forward to what else is going on coming up tomorrow. Portugal taking on Morocco, Uruguay, and Saudi Arabia again in Group A. Portugal and Morocco kick things off in Group B, and then later in Group E, Iran and Spain. And uh, let's go to the phones, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. To the phones with Bob in L.A., who's first up here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham. Welcome, Bob. Hey, how you doing, Dave? Thanks for the call. You bet. Hey, so I've been a longtime soccer fan. I've been watching since the 86 World Cup. So World Cup without the United States is almost like a return to my childhood. Um, but I'm loving this Group B set up right now with Iran beating Morocco in Game 1. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to go – I mean, I, I think it's kind of crazy for saying this, but I actually think they're going to tie zeros tomorrow yeah, yeah. See, with, with Spain and really put Spain behind the eight ball. i got to tell you, I don't disagree that they're going to give Spain everything they can handle. I, here's the thing. My fear is it's going to be kind of the reverse for Iran in game two. They're going to be playing really well. It's going to be nil-nil because they're not going to get a lot of offense going like they did against Morocco. They really didn't get much off. Unfortunately, Spain's going to probably get the winner late. I can see that happening in that one. Woe be tied if Spain gets an early goal in that game and forces yeah. Iran away from their – you know, Carlos Quiroz knows what he's doing. He's a great manager. But the problem is, Iran, and I don't say this lightly, I tweeted it out, and I think he kind of thought I was, maybe, not maybe joking, but he, you know, he appreciative and everything, but Stephen Betashore for LAFC should be on this Iranian team, getting up and down the right wing and helping that offense. Betashore is a good offensive defender, and they need some more, some more width on that Iranian team. They're just so defensive. Now, I get it. They feel that's the way they have to play, Bob. But I, you know, I know their defense is good and it's strong. And it, take some chances here. I mean, do you really think you're getting out of a group trying to play for nil nil with Spain and Portugal on your schedule yet? I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't think four points. I, I don't think four points is going to cut it. Agree. They're going to need. Yeah, they're going to need to get uh, a, a you know pick up at least two more draws. But 
I, I do think Kiroge has something in store for Portugal, being a Portuguese man himself, being uh, Ronaldo's former coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you're so right. He knows that think, team. There's no doubt about yeah. that. I'm I'm very intrigued about the Portugal Morocco match to kick off tomorrow too. And I'll tell you why. I think there's a little bit of a hangover letdown for Portugal that could come in this game. And Morocco is desperate now. Morocco were spinning their wheels against that Iranian defense. Portugal's defense is not as good as Iran's. So I do yeah. believe Morocco may get some chances. And this one, Group B could get turned on its head tomorrow. You're absolutely right, Bob. This could be a very intriguing day in the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, we'll be watching. And, and Morocco, I do want to say one thing. The first 20 minutes of Iran, the Iran-Morocco game, Morocco looked a lot like Mexico did in the first 20 minutes of the Germany game. They came out with their hair on fire. They did. And... uh and if they do the same thing against Portugal, I think they're going to have a much different kind of game. Yeah, see, I agree. Thank you for the phone call, Bob. I agree. He's right about that. Morocco actually really came out with their hair on fire in that first game. The problem is they were running against a brick wall in Iran's defense. Iran's defense is dynamite. I mean, they know what they're doing. They're very good. I, I, I Really, I believe that, you know? And, I mean, I, I look, we got we got some tweets coming in as well. There's a great phone call at 877-710-ESPN if you want to do what Bob has just done and join us here. If you're on the 405 or if you're on the 710, be careful. Don't you know? Don't dial and drive or anything like that. I don't want to put your life at risk. But if you have the opportunity, it's 877-710-ESPN. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Mentioned Roosevelt, who was just checking in from uh, Florida earlier. He also sent a, a pretty fabulous tweet. He said, I was expecting more from most of the teams at the FIFA World Cup. After the first round of group stage matches, I can say most of the teams are underperforming right now. And Roosevelt, you bring up an interesting point. I wanted to touch on this just a bit. The reason the, the first games so often teams underperform is because they don't want to lose. Now, I know that's a, kind of a bugaboo for soccer fans. They get, we always get grief from people. Oh, it's nil-nil draws. I hate it. You know, that's why we all hate soccer, you know, from NFL guy or NHL guy or MLB guy. Oh, it's so boring. It's, look, in the World Cup, you're trying to manage it. Bob Bradley spoke about it just a few minutes ago right here on Soccer Weekly. You're trying to get out of the group. So sometimes, depending on the matchups and your schedule, sometimes you're playing for the draw. Now, sometimes you're not. It works out that way. Sometimes you're not, and you lose. But there are teams. like Look, Iceland was playing for a draw against Argentina. Let's be realistic. Argentina was not. Right? It, it happens. Iran was essentially playing for a draw or playing not to lose against Morocco, and then they sprung something on Morocco. Right? I mean, realistically, Switzerland was playing for a draw. I mean, not maybe not quite that dramatic in, in in the exact verbiage, but you know what I'm saying. There's there's certain things you have to approach when it comes to group play. You got three matches. You have to manage it. You don't want to go out flying with your hair on fire and lose five nil like Saudi Arabia did in the first game, and then boom, you're pretty much done. Now I know some of that's talent and other, but you get my point. Sometimes it's about managing the tournament. That's why sometimes game ones in groups don't look fantastic. Now we have had. Exact opposites here. All right, let's be let's be honest. We've had some opposites. We've had some great games in this tournament. But sometimes, Bob, and you'll start to see things open up because now teams need something. Right? Peru needs a win. <laughs> There's that's the bottom line. Tunisia must come out and win. Poland is going to need a win in their second game. Argentina, Brazil. We're going to start seeing people flying around because now second games are make or break a lot of times. Let's go. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Let's go to Dennis in Torrance. Dennis wants to know uh, about one specific team. Hey, Dennis, welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. 
How you doing, Dave? Good, man. Hey, uh, I've been a fan of uh, the Bundesliga for years. My favorite team is Bayern Munich. Um, and I watch a lot of these players coming from the Bundesliga to play for the German national team, and I thought we'd have a, a hell of a team this year, um, but it's sort of scary to see what's happening right now. Um, I've never seen them come out playing like this. What do you think might be a problem with the German team? Well, first of all, Dennis, one of the problems with the German team was is they ran into Mexico, who's darn good in the first game. And as I said, sometimes it's about scheduling. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. you, you don't. You would almost rather play the weakest team in your group right off the bat and try to get that win. And Mexico is certainly not a weak team. So, you know, they played a good team who played well and had a great plan against them. I do also think there is a little bit of a hangover for defending champions. Mike Trudell talked about it on Soccer Tonight last night. There is a bit of that hangover for defending champs, trying to get their way back into the tournament. Here's another thing. Germany's slightly overrated with this group, Dennis. That's the bottom line. I said it before the tournament. I I, I like a lot of these guys. I don't love some of these players at this level. I, I don't think Julian Drexler is that great at this no. level. You know, there I said it. You know what I mean? Like everybody loves a guy and he's a very good player. I'm not I'm not saying these yeah. players are not ultra talented, but at the next level I think they're more workmanlike in a lot of ways. I'm not as in love with some of these German players. And, you know, let's face it, Thomas Müller's a little older. You know, these guys, you know, some of the guys, it's caught up to them. And I'm not saying, you know, Mesut Ozil. They're not, not that they're not great players still, but they're a little older. And sometimes it takes sure. a little bit, you know, maybe a second game to get going. And then they start flowing. But you watch. Germany's going to be fine, Dennis. They're going to be fine. I mean, they're going to yeah. still cause some problems in this tournament. <laughs> Thanks. You bet, Dennis. Thank you for the phone call. Appreciate that. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. The number for you to get involved. Got to do the health report. It's on Soccer Weekly. It's sponsored by L.A. Care. as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the city of Angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A. L.A.Care.org. And I do want to go right back to Mo Salah. I mean, look, he got kind of taken out of the game with the way the game went with Russia and everything. He looked pretty good in terms of health. That's a good thing. I'm not saying he's 100%, first of all, but at least he was back in there playing for Egypt, which is a very, very good sign, certainly. Uh, thank goodness for that, for, uh, you know, soccer, and certainly Liverpool fans don't hate that. But, you know, look, it was fabulous to have him back onto the pitch for Egypt, even though the game didn't particularly go well. If we're talking about the locals, uh, Sebastian Legette, Still kind of banged up a little bit. Uncertainty there from the uh, from, uh, from MLSsoccer.com official injury report. Uh, Rolf Felcher still out for a while, but the uh, legit injury a little bit uh, up in the air for the Galaxy, who are not in action for a while yet. I don't believe they play till the 30th. And then, of course, Luis Lopez for LAFC still battling that right tibial stress fracture, but he has started to you know make himself appear a little bit more. It looks like he's coming along. So LAFC a pretty clean bill of health. Hey, uh, still to come, we've got stoppage time and so much more. Don't forget soccer tonight coming up at the top of the hour as well, 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. But you can keep listening throughout the country on the ESPN app or right here on the home of Soccer Weekly. This is ESPN LA 710. Indeed, steely-voiced radio man, this is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710, the home of world football here in Southern California. We'll continue that. Coming up at the top of the hour with Mike Trudell and I and soccer tonight, every Monday through Friday, talking World Cup. But right now, I want to go back to the uh, 110 freeway, and it looks like Mike is out there waiting here. Mike, thanks for being patient. Welcome to Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunholm. What's up, man? Thanks, Dave. Question: My question is, um, curious if these players are getting tested for PEDs, because 
the Russian team looks a lot more explosive than I expected <laughs> them to be. What do you think? Well, you know, look, nobody's going to give the Russians the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately, uh-huh. whether they are clean or not. But, yes, the doping control officers, I actually saw one right after the game, uh, one of the shots on the Fox television coverage, there was a doping control officer just behind somebody getting interviewed, and it appears that they were ready to test like immediately after the game. I don't know the exact protocol, but yes, Mike, that is going on at the World Cup. But yeah, the Russians, and thanks for the phone call, appreciate it. Russians are playing well. They're fantastic. I mean, they, look, it's that home advantage. I mean, it, it, being the home team, being that host is a big factor. And it certainly is showing because Russia, frankly, I haven't seen Russia score this many goals as a national team in a long time combined. I mean, they have so many issues or they had so many issues for so long scoring. If this continues, hey, look out. But don't tell me it doesn't have something to do with being the home team. And don't tell me it doesn't also have something to do with scheduling. Again, Saudi Arabia were overmatched and they were just out of their realm and got overwhelmed. And Egypt, you caught Egypt at a really good time, coming off that brutal loss to Uruguay. And don't get me wrong, Russia deserved it. They were better. But they've outscored eight to, they've outscored their opponents eight to one. And that's fantastic, obviously. That's just a perfect start for Russia, to be sure. Time now for the black and gold breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the black and gold breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now. This is the Black and Gold Breakdown. One of the things we want to mention, of course, is we'd like to keep track of the players for LAFC, the Black and Gold, who are at the World Cup. And certainly we begin with, uh, speaking of Egypt, Omar Gaber, a second straight game where he did not see playing time. Now, I suspect, and not that it's going to make Gaber feel any better by any means, but Hector Cooper, their, uh, their manager, if Egypt is indeed eliminated by the result of tomorrow's Uruguay-Saudi Arabia game, and all that, that needs to happen is, of course, Uruguay getting any result against Saudi Arabia, and Egypt will be out of the World Cup officially. So if that happens, which is likely, then Hector, Hector Cooper may indeed go to a more, you know, getting some other players into the lineup, a more expanded roster in terms of who he's going to start. He might make some substitutions. You probably won't see Mo Salah necessarily. If there's any concern at all about, you know, nagging injury or anything like that, you may see some of those guys sitting the back. And Omar Gabber may get a shot there. Again, no consolation for Gabber. He would certainly uh, trade victories for any of that. But he may well get a chance in that opportunity. Now, of course, we saw what Carlos Vela did. We talked about it. Mike Trudell and I talked about it on Soccer Tonight. You'll be hearing that at the top of the hour. Vela was just dynamic, certainly had a great game for Mexico in the 60-plus minutes that he played in that big win over Germany. Uh, Marco Arrhenia was taken out in the Costa Rica loss to Serbia. Arrhenia, actually, I thought, you know, honestly, I thought Costa Rica played pretty well. I really did. And I, I thought Arrhenia did a good job. They, they needed, you know, Joel Campbell to come in and, uh, you know, provide a different kind of spark at that point, trailing 1-0. But, yeah, I mean, I thought he did very fine. I would not be shocked at all, certainly, if their manager, Oscar Ramirez, uh, keeps the same lineup, frankly. I didn't think Costa Rica – look, they didn't take care advantage of a couple of chances. Serbia deserved to win that game. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like Costa Rica got run over by any means. So I actually uh, kind of expect, frankly, a similar lineup, if I'm being honest, of uh, what uh, Oscar Ramirez did in that first game, although we may see some tweaking – slightly with his tactics 
for that second matchup for Costa Rica and Marco Arena coming up in their group play. So it'll be very interesting to see. But, uh, you know, I didn't hate that. Now, remember, Laurent Simon was actually sent back or came back to LAFC. He's back in training. Very doubtful that he would go tomorrow in that game against Sacramento Republic in the Open Cup. But there is a possibility they've got a game against Columbus Crew coming up on the weekend at home at Bank of California Stadium. So it's not like they'll have to travel or anything like, hey, you may see Laurent Simon right back in the lineup. Now, again, we'd rather see Laurent Simon have a great experience in playing with Belgium. Didn't quite make the cut in terms of Roberto Martinez's roster. So, uh, you know, Belgium's loss is LAFC's gain to get their captain back potentially for that weekend game, which is a big, big deal for sure. So, you know, you're talking about those players. Again, so far, a bit of a mixed bag, certainly, with Mexico pulling off a big win. Egypt, of course, having their struggles with Omar Gaber's side, not being able to get up, uh, pick up a point yet. And Costa Rica, only one game in the books, didn't have a great day as a country, but it really wasn't as bad a performance as some people are saying. I actually thought Costa Rica and Serbia were very evenly matched in that game. And that, that group is still going to be quite interesting for sure. We'll see, if, you know, if Brazil can kind of turn it around, then it's a whole different animal in that second game against Costa Rica, which may well be the case. Costa Rica might be playing Brazil at the wrong time there. So we'll see how that kind of shakes down. But again, just to go over a little bit of that scheduling, speaking of which, we've got the Open Cup game for LAFC. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. I'll be calling that game from Bank of California Stadium. It's a great opportunity to go down if you haven't seen the stadium yet. LAFC are into the round of 16 after their first victory in this tournament, their first ever game against Fresno FC in the previous round. Sacramento Republic, they've already gotten through three rounds, and one of those rounds in, in terms of wins includes a victory over Seattle Sounders in the round of 16. So... Yeah, okay, it's a team that LAFC's had some success against, yes, beating Seattle Sounders twice. But, oh, by the way, so did Sacramento Republic. They've beaten them in this Open Cup game and knocked out the Sounders. So for a team like Sacramento to pull off a bit of an upset there from the USL beating an MLS side, it just it forces you to keep the radar up. This is a team that can do some damage without a doubt. And remember, these two teams played in the final match of the preseason. Doesn't mean anything. It happened to be a win over uh, Sacramento for LAFC. But again, that is meaningless in terms of what's going to happen tomorrow night on the pitch at Bank of California Stadium. And again, you'll hear it right here on ESPN LA, beginning with the pregame coming up at 7 o'clock. You can also hear that on the ESPN app. One thing I will say, though, and we talked a little bit about it with Bob Bradley, uh, the manager of LAFC, a little early on the show. I want to remind you, though, this gets you into the CONCACAF Champions League. You win U.S. Open Cup, you go to Champions League, no matter what happens in MLS. And right, we know how tough it is to go win MLS Cup. Getting through the playoff rounds, having a good enough regular season, okay, a lot of teams make the play. You still gotta go win several playoff rounds against tough competition. Good luck. That's not easy. Same thing with the US Open Cup. You gotta just win knockout games. Not easy. But if you're in it, you might as well go win it. That's always been my philosophy. If you're gonna play in the tournament, which you are, then go win it. None of this soft-shoeing the roster or trying to get, you know, bring up a bunch of guys from your reserves. I'm not saying you don't give some guys some minutes, but it's a legit competition that gives you a massive potential prize at the end, which is a trip to CONCACAF Champions League, which is where everybody in MLS should be striving for. Obviously, only a few teams are going to get there each year, but everyone should be dying to get into CONCACAF Champions League as an MLS side. And that includes LAFC. So why not? This is a venue and an avenue for that. Go win it. If you're in it, go win it. 
And it's not going to be an easy task against the Sacramento Republic. What it does set up, though, because a few days ago, Portland Timbers beat L.A. Galaxy in the Open Cup. What it sets up is LAFC already know due to the draw that if they are to beat, if they were to beat Sacramento tomorrow, if they get the win over the Sacramento Republic, LAFC will indeed host Portland in the quarterfinals. We already know this. So there's a plenty on the line. Not only is it you got to win and you keep going, but also you got the opportunity to then host another game potentially to get even closer to winning this thing and getting that berth into CONCACAF Champions League. That is massive, and that is your black and gold breakdown. Time now, though, for uh, everybody's favorite segment. We bring on the host of this segment, our favorite, Stoppage Time. Indeed, the host of Stoppage Time is the great producer of this show, Mario Reyes. Mario, welcome, baby. Day, what it is, how it goes, man. Not too bad, brother. Thank you. All right, so a lot of times in the World Cup, you know, this is where stars are born. These guys get on that big stage, yeah. and, and they show the rest of the world what they got. Such is the case with the, with this guy, Chucky Lozano, who uh, had a huge goal for Mexico against Germany. And now you start to hear the rumors of Chucky to Barca. Dave, what do you make of the rumor, Chucky Lozano to Barcelona? Wow. Well, you know, you, do, you always get those at this time, like you said, with the World Cup. I will say this. Chucky's got a little bit of stuff going on for him. He's got a little bit of just everything in his game. You know, he's got speed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really lack much in his game. There's very little downside to Chucky Lozano's game, and that is appealing to a big club like that. I mean, that's a kind of guy who can actually thrive with other great players around him, too, Mario. So, yeah, there might be a little bit of smoke to that. I don't know that there's a whole lot of fire to those kind of rumors. It is the silly season, after all, and it's made even more silly by the World Cup, as you say. Anybody who has success in the World Cup, though, they're going to get a good hard look for any big club because they want that publicity. They want that big name in a massive soccer market like Mexico. Next. All right, so former FIFA president <laughs> Sepp Blatter. Did you not enjoy my answer, Mario? You were ticked off at that? No, I did. Let's it kind of clicked off. You kind of had a little technical difficulties there, but oh, we got I'm it. sorry. We my got bad. it. Uh, former FIFA president Sepp Blatter, uh, despite currently being banned from football, will attend Portugal versus Morocco in Moscow tomorrow. Blatter has an open invite from Vladimir Putin to attend the tournament. What do you think, Dave? Uh, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm at this. I mean, if he's banned, he should probably be banned. But Right, that's what I, I mean, thought. He's a private citizen. I don't know. Which It depends on how you look at it. I don't really like Sepp I wouldn't sit next to him. Let's just put it that way. That's all I know, Mario. I would rather sit with you who are listening to Soccer Weekly. Thanks so much to Mario Rees and Michael Funches. Coming up next, Soccer Tonight with Mike Trudell and I as we break down the World Cup right here in the home of Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Stick around.